0: Welcome to KIOS at the Movies. I'm your host, Joshua LeBure, and I'm here with Patrick Kinney and Diana Martinez from film Streams.
1: Hey there. Hi.
0: And we're talking about the film In the Mood for Love. simply because you need me in the mood for love is a film that lingers not only through the camera peeking glances through curtains and obstructed views through the lighting through its cinematography or through the lingering glances of the two main characters as they look at each other or simply exist in the same room, with more being said with looks than any dialogue could provide. But when the film is done, its beauty, its patience, and its heartbreaking story of love is ever-present. In the Mood for Love came out in 2000, directed by legendary Hong Kong filmmaker Wong Kar Wai, and it became an instant classic. There is so much that could be said about this film, but right now, I'm just going to turn it over to my conversation with Diana Martinez and Patrick Kenny. So, what'd you guys think?
2: (laughs) I love this movie.
1: Yeah. No, so actually, I should say, uh, yes, I love this movie. The first time I saw it was actually in one of Diana's courses classes.
2: Was that the Uh, first time you saw it?
1: Yeah, that was the first time I saw it. So this is my second time watching it. And I will tell you what, it is a movie that I got a lot out of on the second viewing. Mm. I mean, this should be like, I I was thinking while I was watching it, like this should just be on my list of annual views. Like Mm -hmm. I should just watch this every year. Yeah. It's so layered and beautiful. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah, so it's a new restoration. Um, Mm -hmm. done by the Criterion Collection, uh, and Wong Kar Wai helped oversee the restoration, so everything is, like, kind of to his, his specifications. Um, you know, Wong Kar Wai, for me, is a director that I, uh, I very rarely say this, but I think he is a genius. (laughs) Like, I, I really do think that he's, like, one of the directors that, like, I admire his mind, um, and what he does in a film visually. Like you would think since film is a visual medium that there would be like a lot of directors who are doing really impressive, sumptuous, beautiful things. But I actually think that it's really rare. And I think that Wong Kar Wai is like one of the few people who actually understands film as a visual medium and takes advantage of it as a visual medium. And this film is just like the costumes are beautiful, The Set design, the cinematography, um, like you could, you know, watch this with the sound off and just be just as enthralled and and riveted, uh, as we say, (laughs) by just looking at the images.
1: Another riveting film.
0: This was actually my first time seeing this. It's always kind of been on my radar, but I just, for whatever reason, over and over again, just skipped over it and... I don't know what I was... I don't think I really ever talked to anyone about this film. Like, uh, I didn't really know anything about it going in. So as soon as I started it, I was like, oh no, I know what this film's gonna be and I'm not that stoked on it at all. And it was not that. It was not that film. Like, it was so... Incredibly beautiful, just like what Diana was saying. Like I just could not take my eyes off of it throughout the film. Just the color palettes, the uh way that they that they use the slow motion in the film and the different like frame rates. Like mm-hmm. sometimes it's like really choppy and sometimes it's like so smooth and luscious and the warm light throughout the whole film and and it's just a film where every single Frame is so thought out and it is so rare. Like, you, I can only think of like a handful of directors I can honestly say that about, and it's like your usual characters of uh Ozu, um, Wes Anderson, uh, and like a handful of others. <laughs> and honestly, like, just the whole film, I was just captivated by that, and then not only that, but on top of the storyline the story just was so because it doesn't go where every other film that plays in this space goes. It's almost like it was so refreshing, even though this came out now 20 years ago. Like, I don't know. It just felt so tender and, and so human. I don't it's hard to put it into words.
2: Well, he has help from two really like amazing actors. Uh, so Ugh. Maggie Chung and, and Tony Lung. they are magnetic. <laughs> like it's a, it's the, the film's a love story basically um, kind of told through time set in 1960s Hong Kong. And um, they wear the most beautiful clothes and they look at each other so longingly and like the looks when oh my God. like you think they're gonna touch like, like, it just like simmers <laughs> like this is this is a yeah. film really like made for diana's sensibilities <laughs> like I, I love this film
1: and i think like the camera work is so instrumental in setting this like sizzling Mm -hmm. unrequited tense like longing well it's requited
2: it's it's definitely it's requited sure
1: sure 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 but like how the camera is just like constantly like sneaking around corners and catching glimpses very voyeuristic through through like screens and fabrics and like you just feel like you're yeah in these scenes in these like tiny hong kong apartments and stairwells and hallways and alleyways just sort of like spying mm-hmm. on this this tentative yeah um simmering love story yeah
0: in some ways it felt like a noir in that sense mm-hmm. like just the way it was lit and the way that that the camera moved around it felt like you were watching almost like a you know a crime yeah. film mm-hmm. from you yeah. know, the 40s you know What's um and I thought that that was such an interesting thing to bring to this type of film and I especially think of what you're saying, like the watching. Uh, there's this scene where they're stuck in a tiny room together for hours because they don't want to be seen, and just the way the camera is in the room and the way that they interact, and uh, it's hard. It's hard to put it into words.
1: Oh, and there's something about reflections too mm-hmm. that's so that's done so well because you know, and it's like partially, I wonder. They talk about how like some of that might have just been because of how small the sets were, the locations where they had to film parts of it through reflections mm-hmm. in mirrors or whatever, just because of technical, but it just works so well because part of the, the film is that these two people are reflecting and pretending and role-playing um, other people at times, and it just, I don't know, cohesively, thematically works so well.
2: Just watch this film, people.
1: <laughs> just watch this film yeah Maggie Chung I mean one of the world's great actors I mm-hmm. think um then this is like this is the performance
2: mm-hmm. yeah
1: and we should point out that this is considered the best film of this sen- of this century mm-hmm. but uh, so from like just like if you mm-hmm. are you should be curious about it just from like a film nerd standpoint if you're listening to this and you haven't watched it yet. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, it's, it should be on your list. Mm
0: -hmm. It's essentially about these two people who are neighbors and how much do we give away? I don't know. Maybe I don't want to talk about the story. (laughs) I don't know how much is given.
1: away. Different plot synopses go to different places. So like Janice film, the one, so on our site right now, it's just going to say that they find out that they have something in common through their spouses
0: that's a good way to put it and the whole movie like not only the characters but the movie itself everything is so restrained that it adds that tension Mm -hmm. and I think that that is something that filmmakers especially in 2020 should really like look at it's 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 so effective because there's so much like uh there's so much that's unsaid and un done you know and the film really like lingers on that and I think that it adds so many layers of just intrigue but also like it just makes you like feel deeply for these people and you want them you want so bad for them to just like let go and just and you know that they want it too but it's it's scary
1: it's interesting you should say that because it's a very influential movie but mostly like visually and I feel less so like as far as like that tone goes as far as that um that storytelling technique goes.
2: Yeah, and just for his direction of the actors. Like the actors are really great. Uh, so he has a lot to work with, but I think Josh you're right. Like I feel like there's a sense there that there's like that the actors as characters really feel their story and like embody the characters in such a way. So like you can see when like thoughts are like flitting through their head or like when they're like hesitant about something um, or when they're like, you know, like confused by or like trying to figure out what the other person said. Um, And like, that's just, like it takes a really great director to know to like, you know, close up on their face, to get that expression, right? To linger on them long enough in order to let that register in front of the camera. Um, and yeah, it's it, it's it's really like a master class in filmmaking. Um, and I think you're right, PK. Like I think Wonkar Kar Wai's stories um, are maybe underrated. In favor of like the visual excesses, Um, but I think this story in particular is like so affecting because it's so restrained and kind of like minimalist in a way. Well, and yeah, it's it's a it's a different style of filmmaking. Sure, and weren't
1: they kind of like writing the scenes and developing the plot as they went? Like it's not necessarily an improvised film, but it was just sort of like written on the spot as they went. So maybe it was easier for them to. Injected with ambiguity that way because they were sort of like I don't know. It's an interesting approach. I mean, I would if I. <laughs> I don't know many filmmakers that would be entrusted with a budget of a film that was just like, yeah, I'm going to make it. We're going to figure it out.
2: I mean, not many <laughs> yeah, should. It's very true. It's very if true. We're being honest, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like...
0: I think that the interesting thing about this is the story i mean like the visuals did really pull me in but it was the story for me that was so satisfying because i think you just have to have both you know Mm. you do like i don't know it's hard to say because like it's interesting because you know we get stuck in in independent films you know there's always these periods of time where like really raw and and Handheld and like what feels like low technology and all this stuff kind of gets included in being more real, Mm -hmm. quote unquote. Mm -hmm. And this film I thought was just such a beautiful example of, of something that is incredibly stylized and purposefully done and very well written that also felt very human and very beautiful and kind. And there's something in that. In like um, I talk about Ozu a lot, but it goes back to his films too, because his films feel so human and all of his shots are so purposeful. And, you know, he was very strict about his dialogue. Um, and this film definitely felt like in that wheelhouse, but a different kind of stylization. Cause it was less minimalist. It was like the story was more minimalist, but the film was like very luscious and just and just maximalist in the sense mm-hmm. of like all the different camera, all the different color palettes, and then all the different ways that they move the camera and play with different frame rates and et cetera, et cetera.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't know what I was trying to say there, but. I do think it's really interesting that, yeah, yeah, it's, 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 it's nice to see something that it's really beautifully and purposefully done, Mm -hmm. but also feels very relatable and human Mm -hmm. as
2: well. Well, I think you're always going to get that, like no matter what aesthetic a filmmaker uses, if it's used purposefully, you know, like that, that lo-fi aesthetic, like I've seen that used badly, but it is like an aesthetic, it's an aesthetic that like Chloe Zhao works like perfectly. Like she uses a Canon mm-hmm. 5D and like gets the most beautiful shots out of like these mm-hmm. landscapes and out of these close-ups and like Wonkar Y, right? It's like very uh stylized, right? He definitely has like somebody set dressing. Like those things don't just happen. Um, but I think it's just it's it actually has substance behind it. Like aesthetics isn't all it is. Like there is something more behind it and it's like this feeling of purpose. Like, I can't imagine the story being told another way because the aesthetics are, like, so important to what it is.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think that the aesthetics actually made it, like, the lusciousness of the film made the simple story just so much more deeply felt, I feel like.
2: Mm -hmm. But I think that's so rare, unfortunately. Like, I feel like there are a lot of filmmakers these days that are, like, using certain, like... Styles and like techniques With like very little regard as to like Why they're using it mm-hmm. You know or You know they think they're using it to one effect But it's actually creating another effect Like as an audience <laughs> member that's it There's not a bad filmmaking these days guys And Wong car Wai Is the opposite of that
1: Well think about what else happened in 2000 I mean come on <laughs> It takes time to sort out the gems
0: <laughs> I um yeah, I just, I think that there's just something here in the sense of, um, I don't know, I want to see more films by this filmmaker. Um, I want to see more people making really stylish, stylish beautiful dramas again like this. Yeah. Like, I want to see these deeply felt dramas that are simple and you don't always have to go to the logical conclusion. Like, you can make a restrained story in a specific you know, uh, it's hard to describe. Uh, I can't put this movie into words. <laughs> I just, I just watched it a couple hours yeah, ago it's and ineffable. I'm still like uh... digesting it, but I feel like I'm going to watch it <laughs> numerous times and I'm going to watch every other film by this filmmaker. And if you have not seen in the mood for love, like please, 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 please go see it right now.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so for everyone, this is the start of a series Um that we'll have at film streams at home, all of which are recent restorations done by the Criterion Collection. There are also some films um, that Criterion doesn't own the rights to, like 2046 or The Grandmaster, which is his big um, martial arts film. Uh, we talked about Uja like a few weeks ago. So those are films that are not part of this restoration, but are also totally worth watching. And 2046 is kind of like a quasi-sequel uh, to In the Mood for Love, so that's definitely one. That you should watch that's just a general recommendation I have another recommendation for the podcast part of this episode
1: yeah <laughs> and these this is a we should note that this is a, this series was going to be in another time this would have been like a huge nationwide art house event they've been working on these restorations for five years there's been a lot of planning to go into it um, it's kind of I mean this is it is a great big screen experience all of his movies that I've seen on the big screen are Um, So it's kind of, it's bittersweet. We get to show them. It's uh, the 20th anniversary of In In the Mood for Love. So it's very special, but still kind of like, oh man, wish we could show you these big and bold.
0: I really want to go see this in the theater.
2: (laughs) I know, I wish our theaters were open for you guys to see.
0: So with that, uh, what do you guys suggest people watch
1: with In the Mood for Love? So I would recommend... um, two movies actually um one of which a lot of people have probably already seen but they're by the i think most brazen and effective modern imitator of Wonkar kar wai and those would be barry jenkins moonlight and if Bill street could talk um he is barry jenkins is, uh, is he's very um forthcoming about how enthrall of Wonkar kar wai he is and will even point out specific shots in Moonlight that are homages to or references to I think up to five different Wong Kar Wai movies uh in Moonlight alone and If Bill Street Could Talk is almost like an homage to Wong Kar Wai throughout um so yeah I would say watch In the Mood for Love and then revisit those two
2: um I'm going to uh give a recommendation for a woman directed film who I think is uh definitely influenced by Wong Kar Wai, and that would be to watch Sofia Coppola's Marie Antoinette. Um, you know, in in The Mood for Love, like, there's so many instances where, like, her dress matches the brickwork or matches the, um, in the room divider, matches the carpet, and, like, that is what Sofia Coppola is doing in Marie Antoinette. And I think that that's a film um, that... Uh, I, I see no way in which she is not being influenced by like Wong Kar Wai's use of like fabrics and decor um, and costume and set dressing because there's there's so many shots and comparisons where it like just looks like that's a Wong Kar Wai shot. Um, so yeah, it's for more aesthetic um, revelry. Watch Marie Antoinette by Sofia Coppola.
0: I'm going to go a different direction. I'm going to go with uh, Ang Lee's Lust Caution. I just felt like that was also, that was a very different film as far as like where it ends up, but it was also very luscious, beautiful film. And Ang Lee, whenever he's like on point, I just think he's on point. And I, it's been a long time since I've seen that movie, but I just remember really loving
1: it. So,
2: In the Mood for Love is
0: available on Film Streams at Home. For KIOS, I'm Joshua LeBior.
1: For Film Streams, I'm Patrick Kinney.
2: And for Film Streams, I'm Diana Martinez.